It's time for Outside the Box with Lincoln Stars head coach Rocky Russo and Lincoln Stars broadcaster Joel Norman on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Well, thanks for joining us. It's our second edition of Outside the Box here for the 2022-2023 Lincoln Stars hockey season. I'm Joel Norman, the voice of the Stars, and I'm joined, as always, by the head coach of Lincoln, Rocky Russo. Rocky, glad to be back. Hi, Joel. We're uh, we're here for Episode 2 and uh, excited to be here in the studio. Absolutely, and we're excited for the matchup coming up this weekend. I'm pumped because it's Omaha, Lincoln, the rivalry. Obviously, I got a small taste of that in the preseason, but... As, as I learned with the home opener, obviously the crowds for the regular season much bigger than the preseason. Rocky, let's start with that. What excites you about this game coming up? Because obviously you say it's a rivalry game, but what makes it so great? So your your predecessor, uh, Cristiano Simonetta, used to always ask me, you know, what do you what do you think about the the rivalry? This, that, and the other. And I'm like, I don't really care. Like I don't I don't have any connection to this Omaha-Lincoln rivalry, obviously, you know, they're right down the road, but I'm like, I want to beat Tri-City, and I want to beat Sioux City, and I want to beat Sioux Falls, and, I, and I'm and i like, you know, the, the whole Omaha thing, I didn't understand at the beginning of the year. Um, I understand it now, you know, and, and uh, I, I finally said to him at the end of the year when he said, well, what do you think of the rivalry? I said, I really don't like those guys. And, uh, you know, I do have, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, uh, for Wilkes, their head coach there, um, Wilkie and, and, uh, he does a great job. He's obviously a veteran coach in the league and, um, you know, the organization itself is, has been around a long time. Mike Hastings was the head coach there for, uh, uh, about 14 seasons. He's now the head coach at Minnesota State Mankato. So, you know, from, from that perspective, you respect your opponent certainly, but, uh, I guess it feels a little bit, just the tiniest little bit better every time we beat those guys, and, and we're looking forward to doing that for the first time this year on Saturday night. What was your welcome to the rivalry moment, you would say, where, you're, where it kind of clicked to you that, hey, this is a big deal? I don't know. It was probably the third or fourth game in, and we had uh, we had a, a little bit of a rough-and-tumble game, and uh, there were some guys kicked out, and, and uh, you know, they were always tough games last year. They They went through three coaches last year, and... Um, the second coach was doing a great job, Gary, and, and, uh, his team was playing really, really hard. They were tough to play against. And, uh, and so we ended up beating them in our building, maybe six, one or seven, one. And, and, uh, um, that's when a lot of the, the extracurricular stuff came out. And, and that's where I could start to understand if you're a Lincoln stars fan and you've been around for a long time that, you know the the natural rivalry that's there obviously just being an hour up the road and and uh, what that means to our fan base and to our community um, made me buy in pretty uh, wholeheartedly you mentioned that you really when you first got this job a year ago last year was the first season you mentioned Sioux City and Tri-City were those teams you really wanted to be do you still kind of put them at that same level as Omaha you know what as as far as I'm concerned I I hope that teams look at the Lincoln Stars and want to beat us um, you know, I feel like we're trying to set the standard in the Western Conference, and Tri-City did it last year in the regular season, and, and Sioux City did it in the Clark Club playoffs. So you have to you have to put respect where respect is due, and, and Tri-City had an incredible regular season last year. Sioux City has the run, wins the cup. Like, those are now the two teams that, 
that are defining success in, in the USHL in, in the last 12 months and beyond that, obviously. You know, Tri-City's been doing it for a few years, but uh, you want to be a team that's that's known as, as leading the pack, setting the standard. You want to be the... Um, you want to be the team that's at the top with the big target on their back. And, and I've been very fortunate in my career to always have one of those clubs. And, and it's my goal to, to put us in a position where we know that when the schedule comes out, our opponents are circling that, that weekend and saying, hey, we're playing the Stars this weekend. That one's going to be extra important. And, and uh, we take every, every opponent uh, very seriously and we respect them. And, and uh, we just want everybody to look at us and say, hey, you know, those mean a little bit more. Stars taking on the Omaha Lancers this coming Saturday at the Icebox, a 6.05 p.m. puck drop. Hope to see you there. Get your tickets now at lincolnstars.com. And, Rocky, you guys have an extra day to kind of prepare for them. I touched on this a little bit with you earlier today, but uh, just the one game this weekend, just one game last weekend. It was Friday. You had Saturday and Sunday off. Now this week, you don't have you don't play Friday, but you do play Saturday. Uh, talk to me about that stretch in between. How do you? What did you guys do last Saturday when you didn't play? And how are you using maybe an extra day or two to kind of prepare for Omaha? We practiced last Saturday, and uh, we had a really good practice. I thought uh, high energy, a lot of puck touches, uh, small area games, and and then we did some uh, uh, some controlled. Uh, scrimmage and and some uh, kind of five on five stuff, and then we took sa- uh, Sunday off, and and Monday we played three on three. We had a three on three tournament, and uh, you know you don't always get that extra day, and and a lot of times I use that three on three tournament as a reward for the guys for having a great weekend. Obviously, we didn't necessarily get the result we wanted on on Friday night, but I wanted them to have an exciting day at the rink I wanted there to be a a real positive vibe throughout the locker room and so that's always a great way to do it the they don't have to feel like oh we've got five straight days of practice before we get to play again and so um, we did that they had a great time they had a really good lift on Monday today we had a really good practice they did some off ice uh, speed and strength training and and then we practice you know we practice three more days and and uh, we've got a lot that we can accomplish and that's how we're looking at it is you know our practices are going to be short, no, probably no longer than an hour, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna get in and in and, and get what we need out of them, and, and then get off the ice and let them focus on some other stuff so that they're fresh and ready to go on Saturday. Will you treat Friday kind of like a normal practice there? Are you talking about you're gonna maybe do it like in just an hour long or something? Uh, it, I look at Friday like a traditional Thursday, you know, and and so you know by. By playing three on three on Monday and kind of keeping things really loose, then we were able to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mimic our regular week of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so, uh, when I built the week schedule this week, I made practice plans for those four days. And and what I generally do with with our staff is I kind of set the expectations for each day and and the things that we want to hit on, and and then I can make our practice plan and those guys can start to build some video out for for those days and um today I actually had a, a little bit of extra time and so I went ahead and took care of all of tomorrow's video well well uh Mike and Art were on the ice uh doing skills with the guys this afternoon so uh we just try to get ahead of things so that in the mornings instead of me um you know having a bunch of work to do I have more time to spend with the guys I was able to have five player meetings this morning and and get to just spend time and and talk to them and learn more about them as as people learn more about their families you know you have siblings what do they do where are they I learned today that Jimmy Jerseff has two older older siblings an older 
brother who's in finance, an older sister who's uh, who's a, a medical student, and and so um, I think that stuff's really cool and and uh, it's really valuable when it comes to understanding what makes your players tick, and and not everybody has the same um, the same buttons to push, and and so you want to be able to develop that positive relationship where where there's respect going both ways and um and they know that that we have their best interest at heart that's got to be something that just takes time obviously you've got your 14 returners you probably know them pretty well at this point from majority of last season some of them obviously different stretches than others but talk to me about that how you get to just kind of know guys is it these weeks like this where there's a little more time and a few less games maybe there's no way on earth we have 14 returners i believe so 14 guys who had played at Maybe 14 guys that played in the league. Um, I'm just looking. So Marcellus, Ludke, Grimes, those those guys played some games for us. That's yep. three. Dashiell played some games for us mm-hmm. last year. That's four. Ollie. Uh, Ollie and Raftery is six. Peters is seven. Larrigan is eight. Um, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's more than I thought. We have 12. Okay. Um. We might have had 14 standard. We let go. That's probably um, what I was thinking of. So, but uh, th- I didn't even realize we had 12. So, um, you know, it does take time. You want to you want to really com- compete to build culture right away, and and it's our job as a staff to to what I call lay the foundation of that culture, establish the expectations, uh, establish the the accountability. And then it's the player's job to make that come to life. They need to, they need to grab a hold of it, and they need to make the decision that either it's important enough to fight for every day, or or not a priority, and and not something that they're going to push to try to grow. And what's impressed me the most about this group so far is they're really close already. Um, they really enjoy being around each other. They push each other. They laugh, they have fun, um, they they fight from time to time, kind of like family does, right? And and that's what I'm, I've always told any team I've coached is, hey, you know, we can disagree and we can fight in this room, but when we step out, nobody messes with us. And and um, I think they've embraced that right away. They believe the the value in having a good culture and, and what it could bring long term, and, and uh, they're taking pride in it. And I know it's early, and I know when you hit adversity, you start to see some true colors, but... I believe that what I'm seeing right now is is the true color and the true character of the players that we have, and and that's really refreshing and and really really exciting as the head coach of this team. Good game last Friday. Obviously not the result you guys wanted. I think the fans got their money's worth for that one for the home opener, taking on Sioux Falls, but falling three to two. That was a game we've talked about this pretty much ever since then. I felt like you guys dominated possession for the most part, just didn't get enough goals for how many shots you had, but. I think there was a lot to take away that was positive from that game. How, how are you guys kind of turning that into focusing on this coming weekend's opponent, Omaha? You know what? You you can you can either win or you can learn. You know, and and obviously, hey, we're defined and judged by our wins and losses as as an organization, and specifically myself as a head coach. But um, if I don't take the opportunity to to help the guys learn from their failures and and the adversities that they deal with and I'm not really doing my job and and so I told the guys there was elements of our game on Friday that I was disappointed in um and there was there was other pieces of that game where I was really proud of them and and you know essentially what that means is we didn't play a complete 60 and and if you don't play a complete 60 and you lose the special teams battle which we did that night you're probably going to be on the wrong end of that and and we had 
a few power plays before they got one and then ultimately got the five-minute major. So we had some chances. Uh, and then we didn't get another power play for quite a while because we weren't working hard enough to earn one. And and so, you know, I told the, the team after the game, I've said it to you in, in post-game interview, like we let it get to that situation. We let uh, the referee have the ability to potentially impact the results of that game with the five-minute major call and then the late interference call. You know, had we had we taken care of business earlier on in that game, buried some chances and, and kept ourselves out of a tight game, we let them hang around. And, and I think they have a good club. I mean no disrespect when I say that. They have a good club, but we had them on the ropes a couple times early on in the game, and, and we didn't take advantage of it. Their goaltender played really well. And then obviously they pop the first one on a on a breakout mistake and and get two more on that five minute major and and it was uh, just a little too much for us to come back from. And that five minute major turned out to really be the difference in the game. I remember thinking, and I'm sure a lot of people did watching that game as that happened. They thought, okay, this is a chance to go one of two ways. Other one way, you know, Sioux Falls is going to have an opportunity to take the lead. But if you guys get a kill, you think, oh, there's a ton of momentum that can come from this. But it is so hard to kill a five-minute power play. What was the message to your team in that group? Is it just quick shifts if you get a chance to dump it head to the bench? Yeah, and you know what? Like I, I've been on both sides of those five-minute majors where I've had teams score three, four goals on the five-minute major and completely put the game out of reach. Uh, I've had teams not generate any offense and completely lose the momentum. So, you know, in that moment, you're just, hey, guys, let's focus on our kills or, or on our clears. Let's make sure we get our 200-foot clears. Let's make sure we're not getting caught in our own end. Fortunately, you know, it's a situation where we have the short change at that point in time. <clears throat> but we, you know, we made a mistake on the first one. Our rotation wasn't great. And there, I mean, the Sam Harris is leading the league in goals yeah. right now. It's early, but... I mean, that was a high, high skill tip that, yeah. that he had on the first one. And, and we didn't do a great job of stopping and starting to come back and, and rotate and pick him up. Um, but you want to talk about a, a high-level play. And then the next one, um, you know, we, we didn't do a good job again rotating back with our weak side guy. We got out of the lane and with our top guy just by 18 inches but enough to hit that one-timer and, and then not pick the stick up on the rebound. And so we watched that video yesterday, and I just said to the guys, hey, you know, we we these are things we can clean up. So, you know, if, if, we, if we had made some egregious mistakes, if we were overwhelmed or overmatched, I'd have a different feeling. But when you're talking about early season hockey, you're going to make some mistakes. And, and, you know, we have to learn from those mistakes. We have to grow. And, and the mistakes that we made were easily correctable things. And so, you know, from that perspective, we talked about it. We'll learn from it. We'll be better the next time. But uh, ultimately, it costs you two points. And the two points in September and October are just as valuable as the ones in April. And, and you hate to give away ones that you feel like you could have got. It is easy to look on paper and say, gave up two power play goals in that game, but they were both on that five-minute major as we talked about. Let's talk about the PK so far because I think it was just a tough stretch right there. It's a lot of tired bodies even as they're shuffling on and off, but how did you how do you feel about the PK so far on the season? I think our PK has been excellent. It was excellent in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we've, we've done a really good job of blocking pucks. We've done a really good job of understanding – when we need to be in our lanes, when we're swarming and and creating some chaos and outnumbering pucks down low, we're getting our clears for the most part. And I can tell you, it's you know, 
you get a you get a failed clear or a second failed clear, it, you can all but guarantee it's going to end up in your net unless your goalie makes a big time save. And um, you know, but we understand where we have to clear pucks and uh, what our relief is when when there are loose pucks. We can bump pucks behind the net, get good puck support. So I think we've done a really good job of learning that that piece to our puzzle early on, especially for something that, in all reality, we did not work on until the very end of, of preseason. And, and you know that we started <clears throat> about a week later than than everybody else did. And, and so we had a lot to jam in. And, and you know what? I was actually happy about that. It gave the guys an extra week to be home, uh, gave them more time to be with their families. And, you know, if that means we give up a couple power play goals early in the year, that's fine. I, I'm still willing to bet we're 85-plus uh, percentage kill by the time the, the season ends. And, that's good enough to be a really successful club. No, absolutely. And we talked so much last week just about how important those special teams were in Pittsburgh, scoring three power play goals. I believe after the fall classic, I think you guys were one of three teams in the entire league at the time who had not allowed any power play goals for those first two games. So obviously a big part of that. I get asked about these this a lot. We've got a couple of injured players right now. We touched on them a little bit last week on the blue line. Uh, you know, Dashiell Oliver, Henry Nelson, Antonio Fernandez, people asking a lot about how those guys are progressing and whatnot. What's what's their status on their respective recoveries right now? Uh, Dashiell Oliver uh, is eligible to, to return from the injured reserve list uh, at the end of next weekend, and uh, and he will be activated to our roster. Um, he probably won't play right away, uh, but he's on pace. Uh, he is he's participating in all of our off-ice stuff. He's skating on his own right now. He'll start practicing non-contact next week, and, and he's just progressing through the, the return-to-play protocol that was provided by, by his surgeon and, and his doctor at home, and Corey's monitoring that. So he's right where he needs to be, I would expect, in the next probably three weeks to see him in the lineup. Um, Antonio Fernandez, you're, you're going to probably see here in a week or less. Uh, he's he's recovering from a very minor surgery that unfortunately uh, put him out for for about four weeks and and he skated right at the beginning of training camp and and uh, just was dealing with an injury that uh, that needed to be taken care of. It wasn't something he was going to be able to play through and so uh, I was actually glad that we were able to get it done right away and so it's not something that's going to nag him all year because he's been. Uh, he's going to be such a big part of, of our club and our blue line and our power play and everything else. And, and then Henry is probably, you know, not probably Henry's the one that's going to be out the longest. And Henry had surgery in, in, uh, June and, uh, and he slated back optimistically somewhere in the next six or seven weeks. Um, we're, we're monitoring his, his, uh, recovery and uh, he's still at home. He did join us for the first couple days of uh, training camp, but he's got uh, he's got rehab with uh, his doctor back in Minnesota, and and that doctor works with the Minnesota Wild, and so he does a great job. And and so we felt, and they felt that it was best for him to continue his recovery at home. Uh, Dasha was at the point where he was ready to to kind of have it turned over to Corey, and and our hope is in the next couple weeks that. Uh, that Nelly will be in the same boat, and and uh, you know I don't have an exact return to play timeline for for Nelly, but uh, you know I'm optimistic that it'll be before Thanksgiving. This is outside the box here on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Joel Norman, the voice of the Stars, alongside 
Lincoln Stars head coach Rocky Russo. As we mentioned, Lincoln will be taking on Omaha this coming Saturday, 6.05 p.m., and it is Buddy Pass night, so seven-star members just can turn in their Buddy Passes they've received for their season tickets, and you can bring a friend to the game just for free like that. Uh, we talked a little bit about the crowd as well. I want to talk about, I want to switch things up. Right before we got started with the show here, Rocky, uh, history made here this evening. Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees hit his 62nd home run of the season, and you and I were kind of spitballing for a moment. Uh, if you catch that ball, you're pretty much set for life if you keep it. However, in a situation like that, if you caught it and the team came to you and said, hey, you know, we want to have that ball back, we're willing to give you X, Y, and Z to get it, what would it take for you to give something that monumental and valuable back to the team and the person? You know what? Um, I, fortunately, I'll probably never find myself in that in that position, and I'd love to sit here and tell you that, oh, sure, I'll give the ball back. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was just telling you the story that uh, when I think it was McGuire's 70th home run, um, the, the fan that caught it, uh, the Cardinals offered him a signed jersey and a signed bat and, and whatever else. And uh, the guy actually said, okay. He said, I just want to meet Mark McGuire. And McGuire said no, which shows you what kind of person McGuire is. Um, and so the guy kept the ball and sold it for four or five million dollars. So, I mean, it's hard as as a fan to say I'm not going to keep that. Like the amount of money that that that's life changing, life altering money for the average person, and for that baseball player that makes thirty, forty, fifty million dollars a year. Um, you know, if I'm the player. I'm going to say, okay, you're going to sell it for $3 million. Here's $3 million. I want it on my mantle, and and I'll give you the $3 million. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I would do if I was the player. Um, I don't know that these players will do that. Um, you know, my bigger question to you is, um, and I'm a, I'm a big baseball fan. I always have been. I was, you know, I don't remember how old I was during that summer of Sosa and and uh, Maguire, it was just riveting. I feel like I was maybe in my early 20s. But you're glued to the TV every night, and you're watching these guys. And, and I'm actually an absolutely massive Barry Bonds fan. Okay. I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. He he played for the Pittsburgh Pirates oh, in yeah. the early 90s. And I used to play the outfield, smack the glove against my, my thigh before I caught fly balls. And um, I'm a I'm a huge believer that... Barry Bond should be in the Hall of Fame because I felt like he had a Hall of Fame career before there was ever a question about whether he took steroids. Um, I also believe that all the home runs that were hit by players that were taking steroids were hit off of pitchers that were taking steroids. And so I feel like that era of baseball is still something that needs to be um, needs to be uh, put in the Hall of Fame. Right. And and it needs to be uh, be able to be identified 50 years, 100 years from now, instead of there being this giant gap where the very best players in the game at that time are not enshrined. And, and Roger Clemens and and uh, Barry Bonds are two guys that, without question, define that era of baseball. But um, when you think about the home run record. Do you believe that 73 is is the home run record? Do you believe it deserves an asterisk? Do you believe that because 
62 was hit tonight, is that a number of significance beyond the American League home run record? No. I don't think it has any significance beyond that. It's... The, the only record it holds is it is the American League record. I think there's more excitement with it because it's another Yankee who's hit 60 home runs. You're talking about Ruth, Maris, and now Judge. I think that's pretty incredible on its own. But I'm with you. The true record, I'd put an asterisk with it. It belongs to Bonds. You know, And you go back to the Hall of Fame as well. I mean, those are two guys, Clemens and Bonds. But you could argue the two greatest, the pitcher and hitter of all time, aren't in the Hall of Fame pretty crazy and how do you as a fan go to cooperstown and say tell me about this this decade this this piece of baseball history and have it not be in there i believe that uh pete rose should be in the hall of fame the all-time hit leader like i believe that shoeless joe jackson should be in the hall of fame because i do believe that their story should be told to future generations. Now, if you want to put a mark on their on their plaque and say they did this, fine, but their accomplishments on the field warrant that ability to be in, in the Hall of Fame. So I love this conversation. And, and hockey, obviously, we talk about hockey. Our fans love to hear us talk about hockey. But selfishly, I like to talk about sports. So um, we could probably get into this a little bit more. Uh, when we come back from the break. So, uh, so far, so good here on uh, on 93.7 The Ticket with Outside the Box. We'll be right back.